Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Indians for the White Sox 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And the Indians managed to salvage the four-game series against the White Sox after getting no hit the night before on Jackie Robinson Day across Major League Baseball. They come out with the 4-2 win. That's right. There were a lot of storylines going into yesterday's game. They come out with the 4-2 win, and they split the four-game series, which, uh, which was big, right? Uh, momentum, uh, at the attitude towards the Indians after getting no hit in the city of Cleveland, was pretty low. You know, it was pretty down on the Indians uh, yesterday. I'm not going to lie. And uh, I wouldn't say we're ecstatic about the Indians now, but at least by splitting the four-game series, there's some decent vibes again in this city about the Indians. Uh, It's hard. It's hard to get no hit. Uh, The players seem to shake it off pretty well. Uh, I think Savali maybe said in the post-game something like, you know, this is a job. This is our job. You know, we come to the ball field. We prepare. It's our job. We're we're gonna come out here and work no matter what happens the night before, which is the right attitude to have, right? Whether you win or lose, no matter how high or how low you are, you gotta come out there and prepare every day to play. It's the only way you make it through 162. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines. Obviously, Jackie Robinson Day, a very important day in baseball. I am probably not the right podcaster to go into detail about what it means, but if you paid attention yesterday, there were some really, really important stories being told yesterday. So I I encourage you to go out there and find some of the interviews, find some of the things that some of the players talked about, the meaning of Jackie Robinson Day, because it is cool. It's really cool that we celebrate what he did, not only for the game, but for our country. And uh, yeah, it's it's really great to see uh, to see how important it still is to the game and to our country. So uh, let's get into the game and the storylines here. And Savali was going up against Lance Lynn, and Lance Lynn is definitely someone that they were counting on to get their starting rotation at our level. Right? They wanted a matchup starter versus starter against us this season because of what our pitching was able to do to them last season. And it was quite the battle between Savali and uh, and Lance Lynn. In fact, the Indians don't scratch across any runs until the sixth inning. So it, they, don't, they don't get a hit. They don't get a hit until, um, that's right, Jake Bowers doubles the lead off the third. It had been a long string of innings, 11 innings without a hit. And Jake Bowers is the one that finally breaks it up with a double in the third. And, of course, the next three batters all strike out behind him. Uh, there was some trouble in the first for Aaron Savali, uh, especially after what happened to Plesak the night before where he doesn't even make it out of the first. Savali gets into trouble in the first, and we're thinking, oh, no, not again. Please, not again. Tim Anderson singles on the very first pitch of the game. He does not mess around his first game back. Off the IL, he singles on the first pitch up the middle, 108.2 exit velocity. Adam Eden then singles through the right side. The throw goes all the way to third. Eden tries to advance to second on the throw. The throw back to second. Jimenez drops the tag down on him. Now, Jimenez Jimenez is straddling the base. Uh, 
And when he bends down to swipe the tag, Adam Eden comes in like a freight train and slides in headfirst to the bag. But he slid in so hard that when Jimenez stands up, Adam Eden is pulled off the bag. Now, there is a rule in Major League Baseball that the, the fielder is not allowed to force the base runner off the bag. You can't shove a guy off a bag and then tag him. It's not that kind of game. However, uh, Jimenez does nothing besides stand up. Eden's slide is the reason that he was out. So he comes off the bag, and Jimenez is smart enough to drop the tag on him once again, slap him on the arm. The umpire is right on it, calls him out. Eden is pissed. Doesn't sh- I mean, He barely shoves Jimenez. He puts his hands on Jimenez. Uh, you know, uh, Cesar Hernandez gets in between them. Jake Bowers comes over and gets in between them. All of a sudden, the bench is clear. Eden does have a bit of a reputation in the game for being a hothead. And the bench is clear. The bullpen's clear. Uh, if you listen to the radio broadcast, I mean, no offense to the radio broadcasters from the White Sox. Uh, that's who they used in the, in the highlights. They made it seem like a benches-clearing brawl. Uh, it was not. It was a benches-clearing uh, huddle. It was a benches clearing hangout. Uh, yeah, the there was no there was no fight. There was no real fight. Eden eventually does go up, uh, apologize to Jimenez. Probably said something like, "Sorry, got a little hot there." And it's nothing. It turns out to be nothing. Uh, but it was an interesting mental error that changed. Uh, it changed things in that first inning. So Tim Anderson is on third. He strikes out Jose Abreu. Johan Moncada is able to single, but that would have been a two-run single instead of a one-run single. And, I mean, two runs would have felt like a mountain. Uh, One run seemed like a big enough hill to climb. Two runs would have felt like a mountain to climb for this Indians offense that could not get anything going. And uh, so Moncada singles up the middle, a bloop single. Would another center fielder have caught it? Yeah, probably Probably Bradley Zimmer, Oscar Mercado probably would have uh, gone hard after that ball and made a diving attempt at it. Ahmed Rosario decides, hey, I'm new out here. I'm just going to play this one off the hop. I'm going to play it safe. And uh, a run comes in to score. And that would be it for a while. That's it until the sixth inning when the Indians offense finally unloads. Jose Ramirez finally gets a fastball to his liking. And we're going to get into this in a second because the way they pitched Jose Ramirez, and the way they pitched your mean Mercedes is very interesting. So, uh, he finally gets one and crushes a two-run home run out to right field. Big hit for Jose Ramirez. They would add another run in the seventh, another run in the eighth, and they were all on uh, sort of mental errors by the White Sox. It feels like the White Sox really made a lot of mental errors uh, in this game that gave the game to the Indians. Adam Eden getting picked off the base here. And then in the seventh inning, Josh Naylor singles. Jake Bowers actually singles behind him. Austin Hedges sack bunt moves him over. That's good baseball. That is good small ball right there from the bottom of the lineup. Remember, this is six, seven, eight, and nine hitters in the lineup. Andres Jimenez is up. He is battling in the count. He is really battling. And he's able to ground one to third base. The infield was in. But uh, the third baseman, I believe it's Mancada for the White Sox, cuts across, uh, you know, he's cutting across the infield to field the ball, doesn't even look at home, 
Josh Naylor is breaking on the pitch, doesn't even look at home, throws across the first, gets Andres Jimenez out at first. It's a fielder's choice, and it brings in Josh Naylor for an extra run for the Indians. Could he have turned and gone home with it? I mean, that's why you play the infield in. You play the infield in so that you can go home. But he must have felt from his momentum, look, I'm just going to get the out at first. He made a very split-second decision there, uh, and it cost him a run. Then, in the eighth inning, Cesar Hernandez leads off with a single. Uh, I think he, did he steal to move up to second? Oh, no, he moves up to second on a pass ball. He moves up to second on a ball that gets underneath Grandal. Then Jose Ramirez grounds one to first base. He hits it hard, 96.4 mile per hour exit velocity. Hits it hard, but Abreu at first base is pretty good defender, and it bounces off his hands into foul territory. Jose Ramirez is chugging for first base. Abreu flips it, tries to flip it to the pitcher covering, and he throws it wide to the pitcher covering. Cesar Hernandez comes around to score. Jose Ramirez moves up to second. So in the span of three pitches there, that's like that's basically that's three errors on the White Sox that leads to the fourth run of the game coming in to score. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a struggle for the White Sox yesterday. They had a lot of mental errors. While we're going through the game summary, a weird play in the ninth inning. Luis Robert hits a triple into the right field corner. Josh Naylor takes a terrible path to the ball, just awful. He. He looks like a beautiful mess out there in right field. Like the hustle's there, the effort's there. I think the arm is there. I think there's some decent arm strength out there. But his paths to the ball are just awful. And he's not going to make many diving spectacular catches. I I do not know if uh, the outfield is his long-term position. Like we have enough first baseman that I get it. We need a place for him. But... It looks pretty rough out there. Anyways, he can't get to this ball. It's down the line, and it bounces up and bounces off the netting above the railing, well above the railing. Would have easily been a ground rule double. Uh, You know, up to two years ago would have been a ground rule double, but now there's netting all the way down the line, and it bounces high off the netting, and he thinks it's a dead ball. Robert doesn't stop running. He eventually picks it up, throws it in. Robert's in safe with a triple. And he's looking at uh, he's looking back at Ben Gamble at center. They're both kind of shrugging their arms, like, "Isn't that a dead ball?" Terry Francona said after the game that the netting is not a dead ball. The netting, just like the outfield wall, the netting is in play if it's a fair ball. Now, if an outfielder gets or an infielder gets caught up in the netting, if it's a if it poses a, a actual physical danger to the player, then it's a dead ball. So if you crash into the wall and you're fumbling around in the netting trying to get the ball, it's probably going to be a dead ball. But something like that where it's a simple just bounce off the netting, they're going to let it run. They're going to let it play. So you got to get that ball and get it back in. So it's good that we now all know the rule. Uh, it's good that Luis Roberts' triple didn't come back to bite us, uh, you know, that uh, it could have been worse. Um, but no, uh, we had a big enough lead. That's why those uh, those insurance runs, as they call them, are important. All right, so let's get into some of the player breakdowns here. What went down in this game? Well, I want to talk about the way they pitched Jose Ramirez and the way they pitched um, your mean Mercedes. Because we talked about it yesterday where Plesak was throwing him fastballs. They were throwing him fastballs yesterday, and he was crushing them. 
and he really struggles against breaking balls. So what would Aaron Savali do? The man who throws six pitches. Jose Ramirez, uh, Lance Lynn does not have a lot of off-speed stuff. He throws a curveball, but he's mainly fastball, cutter, sinker, and then uh, throws a curve. So maybe the sinker works like a changeup for him, although the pitch velocity is not that much different than his fastball. Uh, his first at-bat against Jose Ramirez, he throws him sinker, sinker, four-seam sinker, all on the outside edge. Does not want to come in on the plate. Eventually, on a uh, 2-1 count, Jose Ramirez goes out there. He chases out of the zone and lines out to left field. Hit it hard, 102 mile per hour exit velocity, just right at the left fielder. All right, your mean Mercedes, his first at bat against Aaron Savali. What does he get? Curveball, strike one on the plate. Curveball number two off the plate. Uh, your mean Mercedes goes after it, lines out to right fielder Josh Naylor. Like I said, they were going to attack with the curveball. That's exactly what we predicted yesterday on the show. All right, next up, your mean Mercedes actually gets the next at-bat. This time, what does he do? Curveball in the zone, fouls it off. Four-seam fastball way up, not even close to the zone. Obviously, just a show pitch to throw him off the curveball. Doesn't really work. He throws him another curveball, and Mercedes is sitting on it. He lines out this time to Eddie Rosario. He did hit it 110.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity. So it seems to be that your mean Mercedes is now understanding that Savali is going to attack him with curveballs. Uh, Jose Ramirez is next at bat. This time they're all over the place, but he starts him off with four fastballs. Fastball down and in. Fastball up and away. He's moving it all around. Fastball on the plate that Jose Ramirez foul tips, fouls it back. That's one that Jose Ramirez wants back. That was, as he would call it, a home run pitch. Then he switches to the cutter after that, throws him two cutters, um, in, one down, he's swinging, a four-seam fastball way away that he lays off, then he gets a sinker, so he does change speed on him a little bit with a sinker, and uh, he pops it out to short. So, a tough battle there between Lynn and Jose Ramirez. All right, the next one up in this battle, in this matchup, it is Jose Ramirez again. This time, Lance Lynn goes fastball, 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 fastball home run pitch he throws him six fastballs and the last one is a home run pitch and uh it was it was in the middle of the plate at the letters it's exactly where jose ramirez wants it hits it 104.5 miles per hour hits it with a launch angle of 33 degrees and hits it 392 feet into the seats in right it's a two-run home run and yeah he went straight fastball six times against Jose Ramirez. What what are they thinking? Let me tell you something about Jose Ramirez's career numbers here. Uh, last year against fastballs, he hit 304. He slugged 730 against fastballs last year. This year, he's hitting 269 on fastballs and slugging 500. He's hitting 182 on breaking balls, 125 on off-speed pitches, and Lance Lynn threw him six fastballs in a row. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. His, his run value, the run value created off of different types of pitches. This is all from Baseball Savant. Last year, he was a plus five run value on the four-seam fastball. The only pitch he did more damage against was the sinker, where he was plus eight. 
if you look all the way back in, I love this, 2017, 2018, he was plus 23 on four-seam fastballs, plus 18 on four-seam fastballs in 2017. The dude crushes fastballs, and Lance Lynn just threw him six in a row and found out why, uh, yeah, why you probably shouldn't throw him all fastballs like that. We'll take it, right? Indians fans, will take it. All right, your mean Mercedes, his next time up, He's hit, the, he's hit the curveball hard twice now. And so Aaron Savale is like, okay, I have to change things up a little bit here. And so what does he do? Starts him with a changeup. He throws it off the plate in for a ball, though. He then throws him a forcing fastball high and away. He fouls that off. Throws him another changeup in for a ball. Gets a curveball dropped in the top of the zone for a called strike. Then throws him a forcing fastball at the top of the strike zone. He gets him to ground out to Jose Ramirez. So he does change his approach. He throws him off the curveball a little bit. Would this at bat have been different if he hadn't missed with those changeups? Maybe. Um, he did throw a ton of changeups yesterday. So that's uh, after that we get into the bullpen. So uh, yeah, so that was sort of the fun um, that we had against your mean Mercedes and with Jose Abreu and Jose Ramirez matching up against these starting pitchers. I will tell you, Karen Check when he faces your mean Mercedes. He starts him off with four curveballs. So clearly, uh, the book is out. Curveball for a called strike. Curveball number two for a called strike. That was off the plate. Now he's got to protect. He throws him two more curveballs in the same spot, the bottom corner of the zone, down and away. He fouls both of them off, shows him a fastball way high, way up and away. No chance for that being a called strike. That's a ball. And then he throws him a forcing fastball again, probably also supposed to be high, probably also supposed to be a chase pitch, but your mean Mercedes goes up and gets it and doubles into center field. So let's keep throwing that. When that guy comes back to Cleveland, let's continue to throw him curveballs and changeups and off-speed pitches, and let's lay off the fastballs to your mean Mercedes. Even if you think it's out of the zone and it's going to be a strikeout, which this pitch is a good inch or two above the zone, he's going to go up and get it. The man mashes fastballs. All right, let's look a little more into Aaron Savali. And Aaron Savali is just, he's just that perfect pitch-to-contact kind of pitcher. He threw six different pitches yesterday through the four-seam, the changeup, the curve, the slider, the cutter, the sinker. That's right, he has a sinker that he mixed in twice. Uh, The most effective pitch as far as CSW goes, his overall CSW percentage, called strikes plus whiffs, 27%. His most effective pitch was the slider, which he threw 12 times. He had a 58% CSW on that. The slider and the curveball, they took for a lot of strikes. He got five called strikes on both of those pitches. The CSW on the curveball was 31%. So those off-speed pitches, those breaking pitches, did a really good job for him yesterday. And uh, the fastball, too, you know, he, he induced weak contact off the fastball, which is crazy. I mean, most guys get hit hardest off their fastball, right? The harder it comes in, the harder it goes out. The max exit velocity off his fastball was only 90.4 miles per hour. The average exit velocity off his fastball was only 81 miles per hour, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. You think, uh, you would think that the fastball would be up there near 100 in the 90s at least, but no, the average was only 81. It was the weakest average off of any of his pitches yesterday. So that is how Aaron Savali does it. That is how he gets it done. Um, Yeah, it was a beautiful performance from Aaron Savali. 
And uh, I think that's why, even though Jose Ramirez gets the home run, right? Even though Jose Ramirez breaks the Indians' offensive slump with that two-run run, two run home run to give them the lead, after Plesak pitched the other night, we needed a great pitching performance. This team is built around pitching performance. So Aaron Savali, six innings, only five hits, all singles. One earned run, two walks, four strikeouts. He's got to be MVP for the day. It's got to go to Aaron Savali. So great job by Savali yesterday. Only four balls are credited as hard hit off him. Whereas Lance Lynn gave up eight balls that are credited as hard hit off him. That, I believe, StatCast considers anything over 95-mile-per-hour exit velocity a hard hit. So that's, when I describe a hard hit ball, that's what I'm talking about. Anything over a 95-mile-per-hour exit velocity. Only four for Aaron Savali yesterday. So, yeah, great job, Savali. MVP for the day. All right, coming up, we got a three-game set down in Cincinnati facing the Cincinnati Reds. The pitching matchups are going to be uh, Logan Allen is going against Hoffman for the Reds. That would be Jeff Hoffman. Uh, he's one and one. Uh, we can get to Hoffman. I think we can get to him. Uh, guys are hitting 257 off him. He's got a 129 whip. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys. Only eight strikeouts in nine and a third innings. Has given up nine hits. So I think we can get to this guy. He's one and one so far on the season. Uh, on Saturday, it's McKenzie going up against Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is making a season debut. So who knows? Who knows how long Sonny Gray can go? Who knows how sharp he's going to be? That's a mystery, right? A guy could come out in his first start after coming off an IL stint and could be electric and, or could struggle, could have no command. So we'll see what we get with Sonny Gray. On Sunday, we face Wade Miley. They haven't announced for the Indians. I'm guessing this is going to be Shane Bieber. I don't, I don't understand why they haven't announced that yet. That's the rotation. And he's going up against Wade Miley. Wade Miley has not given up a run in two starts so far. He's 2-0 with a zero ERA. Hasn't even given up an unearned run. He's only given up four hits in 11 innings with nine strikeouts. His whip is 0.55. Hitters are hitting 108 against him. Against Wade Miley. Wade Miley is 34 years old. He's been doing this for a long time with Arizona, with Boston, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Houston, now with Cincinnati. Um, he's been doing this a long, long time. And uh, he struggled last year for Cincinnati. He was 0-3 last year in uh, four starts with a 5.65 ERA. And now he's their freaking ace. So uh, you never know sometimes with these guys, right? Uh, so that's what we're going to be facing in as far as the pitching goes. As far as the hitting goes, uh, Tyler Naquin is still leading them with five home runs. Castellanos has four. So that's where the power is coming from right now. You know you got to look out for Moustakis. Votto is scuffling. Votto's only hitting 184. His OPS is 522 to start the season. So Votto's scuffling a little bit. The guy you really got to watch out for is uh, Jonathan India. Jonathan India is a rookie for them. He's got an 812 OPS. He's got a 395 on base percentage and is hitting 333. He has 12 hits in 36 at bats, including a double and a triple. Um, this guy, he was their number one pick, uh, number five overall in the 2018 draft out of Florida. He's only 24 years old. And he was their number five rated prospect in their system. And the scouting report on him 
on that 2080 grading scale, he's a 55 hit, he's a 50 run, a 55 field, a 50 power, a 55 arm, and a 55 overall. That's a pretty good prospect. Um, yeah, he he crushed too. He hit pretty good uh, in 2019 in the minors. Uh, he had a pretty good season. He was at advanced A and then moved up to double A. At double A, he had a 414 on base percentage. He walked 22 times in only 111 at-bats plus 30 hits. That is crazy. A 414 on-base percentage. Look, he's not going to slug a lot of home runs. Uh, he did hit 11 home runs combined over to those two stops in 2019. Uh, but this guy gets on base. So this is someone we are definitely going to have to watch out for. So keep your eyes peeled for Jonathan India. All right, that is what's coming up, and that is all my thoughts. It was really good to split that series. It was a fun day game for the Indians. It had a little bit of everything. It had benches clearing. It had home run pitches. It had Aaron Savali-inducing weak contact. You know, a little bit of everything. We'll be back tomorrow to start talking about the Cincinnati Reds series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so we go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Cleveland Baseball Morning.